Food bloggers, hi, how are you today? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. This is the place for food bloggers to get information and inspiration to accelerate your blog's growth and ultimately help you to achieve your freedom, whether that's financial, personal, or professional. I'm Megan Porta, and I've been a food blogger for over 12 years. I understand how isolating food blogging can be at times. I'm on a mission to motivate, inspire, and most importantly, let each and every food blogger, including you, know that you are heard and supported. Welcome to episode number 400. Oh my goodness, I cannot believe we are at 400 Eat Blog Talk episodes. This makes me so happy. I'm smiling from ear to ear. So a while ago, my friend Taryn from Hot Pan Kitchen, she's also the Eat Blog Talk community manager, asked me if I would be interested in doing an AMA episode. And I was like, okay, I tend to like to do something special for each 100th episode. So I married those two things and we came up with this idea. So we got a bunch of you guys, food bloggers, sending in some questions that I could answer in an interview where I was actually the one being interviewed. So Taryn interviews me. She asks me lots of questions about mindset, some personal questions, some entrepreneurial questions, some food blogging questions, and other. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. It is number 400, and of course, it is sponsored by Rank IQ. Eat Blog Talk is here to support you at every stage of your food blogging journey to help you accelerate your blog's growth so you can achieve your freedom. We offer many services that will help get you on the right path no matter where you're at in your journey. Don't forget to check out our free discussion forum at forum.eatblogtalk.com. Go there to connect with like-minded peers, to learn and to grow, and to share any wins that you have. Our signature service is our mastermind program. We are currently accepting waitlist submissions for 2024. So if you want to get on the list for this year-long experience starting in January 2024, definitely do that now. If you are not quite ready for that investment, the Mini Minds program might be for you. It is a six-month program that will help you achieve your goals and overcome any obstacles that are holding you back. And if you're up for getting together in person with some like-minded food bloggers, consider coming to one of our in-person retreats in 2023. This is a great way to get to know your fellow food bloggers really well in an intimate setting to learn a ton about food blogging in a short time frame and to eat some delicious food that you will never forget. Go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash services to get all the information about all of our services. Taryn, hi, how are you? Thanks for joining me on this amazing AMA episode, episode number 400 for Eat Blog Talk. So happy to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm doing pretty well. How are you today? I'm doing good. I've been talking a lot today, as you can probably hear in my voice. So hopefully my voice continues on. (laughs) No, I couldn't tell. I I had no idea. So I think you're good. Oh, good. Oh, good. Well, as I explained in the intro, we are flipping the script a little bit today. And you have so generously offered to interview me with these amazing AMA questions that so many awesome people have sent in. So I'm just going to turn it over to you and just let you take the reins. Yeah, this is exciting. I'm excited to be here. I think we've gotten some really good, like you said, some really good fun questions. We're going to dive in. We're going to start off with a couple of food blogging related questions. So the first comes from Jenna from The Urban Life. And it is, what are you most looking forward to in the blogging slash creator space for 2023 and 2024? I have to say, I have to go with podcasting, the emergence of audio and podcasting in our space, 
because I think it's so exciting. There are so many opportunities. As you know, Tara, and you've dug into that yourself, having a foodie podcast of your own. And I just, I have had this feeling for about a year now that people who jump on this bandwagon now are going to ride this wave of just awesomeness and growth and so much, so many good things. So I'm most excited to just watch that kind of take shape. And it already is taking shape. It's been so fun to watch you and so many other food bloggers dig into foodie podcasts. And it's also really exciting for you guys. Like you were like, oh my gosh, I didn't expect this and I didn't expect this. And I got into it because of this, but I actually, you know, like there are so many unexpected good things that have come from it for so many people. So that would be my answer to that. Okay, good one. I like it. I like it a lot. Okay, we're just gonna. I'm just gonna fire drill this at you. Yeah. We're gonna go. Let's <laughs> we're do just it. Gonna go for it. <laughs> so next one, also from Jenna, with new tools and platforms constantly popping up, what has remained a constant throughout your blogging career? This one was pretty easy for me. Surprisingly, very little has remained constant over the years. (laughs) I mean, when I started blogging, like keyword research wasn't even a thing. I wrote like two sentences about my chili recipe and it was on spot number one, page number one on Google for years and there was nothing inside of it. So that is nothing like it used to be. Instagram didn't used to be around. TikTok didn't used to be around. Video didn't used to be around. And then... Facebook started prioritizing. Do you remember all of those hands and pans videos oh, yeah. that mm-hmm. went around Facebook? And there was this little sweet spot of time when if you posted something on your Facebook page at the right time, you would get so much traffic and so many followers. And it was just like this little sweet spot. So that has changed. We all know that that can't happen anymore. But the one thing that has really not Change, it's remained a constant, I'll say, is Pinterest. Oh, I knew it. I knew that's what you were going to say. <laughs> I, I love that you knew that. We all know that like Pinterest is very different from what it was 10 years ago. We, oh, I remember the days when I could like put something on Pinterest and like literally, Taryn, two hours later, I'd be like, oh my gosh, it's going crazy. It would go viral within a few hours. That, as we all know, does not happen at all anymore. It's so different, but it's different because the space is so saturated. So they've had to adjust and pivot and we've had to kind of pivot along with it. But the thing that hasn't changed is that the platform has always been there and it has always provided opportunities for food bloggers to get traffic. It's harder now. Yes, but there is still a way to do it. People do it all the time. So yeah, Pinterest. Yeah. I Oh my gosh. I'm laughing so hard because I really, I know you are such a big proponent of Pinterest and, and I have had my own ups and downs with Pinterest, but you're right. It has, it's remained constantly there for people who are willing to play with it and see how it can work for them. Exactly. And I love that Jenna asked this because she and I both have an intense love for Pinterest. So I wonder if she asked it knowing that I might say Pinterest. I'm curious. <laughs> You'll have to ask her. Yes. <laughs> okay. And then this next question, it's actually two people asked very similar questions and it is a very hot topic right now. So these questions come from Molly from Photos by Molly and Kayla from Broken Oven Baking. And it's essentially about AI. So how do you see AI changing blogging or another way to word it? What impact do you think AI will have on food blogs in the future? I think that without a doubt, AI will change how we blog, but I think it's really hard, 
almost impossible to know exactly how because that would be like fortune telling, right? And we, I mean, I don't know. It could go well. It could go not well. But my best guess is that Google searches will change. They will evolve in some way and we'll probably need to pivot a bit for that and probably strategize in some ways about how to maybe compensate for traffic changes or traffic loss or I don't know. That's my best, best, best guess about Google. And then also I wanted to say about that with every, okay, so I feel like a lot of food bloggers see AI as kind of a threat right now. And I don't like that because this is what we do. (laughs) Things come into our world all the time and we have to adjust and accommodate to them. So Knowing that some food bloggers see it as a threat, I'm going to say this. So with every seemingly like seeming threat that comes into our space, we as food bloggers become smarter. We come, become stronger. We always figure out a way to find the opportunity in the threats or the scary things that come to us. So I'm just encouraging everyone to see this as an opportunity to grow and evolve and not to be afraid of AI and to use it to our benefit. So there are ways that we can use it that aren't like, quote, dangerous. Like I wouldn't go into AI and ask it to write an entire blog post for you, but use it to, you know, start a an email or to write your Pinterest pin descriptions or to get ideas about what to serve with Reuben sandwiches or whatever. (laughs) And then just see it as a part of the evolution of our blogging stories. So when we look back, we'll be like, oh, yeah, that's the point when this happened and that turned into a good thing. So just encouraging everyone to see the good in it and definitely don't be afraid of it. Embrace it. Yeah. And I think what you were saying about the previous question about things that have not remained constant, like this is another thing that's popping up, right? Just like you were saying where, you know, video didn't used to be a thing and now it's a, a huge thing yeah. and people have to take those things into consideration. And yeah, just being positive about that. I love that. I think that's so great. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what we do. We roll the punches. Yeah. And this you is no to. different. <laughs> I mean, you it's scary. You to survive. <laughs> you do. It's scary because there's a lot of potential things that could go wrong, you know, like change Google searches, for example. But there are a lot of things that could go right. And that's something we need to keep in mind, too, is that there is every possibility in the world that this could be like way go way better than we thought. So just keep that in mind, too. That's like the eternal optimist in me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you are an eternal but it's wonderful. I know. It's wonderful. I love your eternal optimism. Oh, thanks. Okay, good. So we're going to move on to more entrepreneurial questions. So Kayla from Broken Oven Baking asked how to find a good business mentor and what is it like working with one? I'm sure there are many different ways to find business mentors. Okay, first of all, I want to say that I think it is so important to do this. Mm. If you can invest in a good business mentor or coach, definitely do it. It will transform your business and your life. So I think my best advice for this would be to listen to podcasts and find the people who align with your values, who you just get a good feel from, who you start trusting. And this is the great thing about audio is that you can really get a good feeling about the good people and the good sources and the not so good people. So that's how I found my business coach. So I listened to his podcast, loved his messages. I loved everything he said about business. 
I loved his mindset. I loved his approach to life and business. And I just knew that we would align. And so I investigated. I was like, well, I wonder if he would, if he coaches. And he did, thankfully. And I was like, this is it. I knew it. I knew it would be a good fit. And it it was a really good fit. And we're still working together. And then I also wanted to say, don't just look for a coach or mentor who talks about business, look for somebody who is not shy about talking about mindset because this is the thing that's going to make or break your business. And it's so undervalued. It's so overlooked. And this is something that should be prioritized. So I would recommend going to your favorite podcasts, checking to see if they offer coaching or mentoring. And then also, yeah, just making sure they dig into that mindset piece too. Yes, I I agree with you about mindset. That's so and what we were just talking about about having being an eternal optimist and you know having the right mindset for the the obstacles that food blogging can bring. Mm. Yeah, I think that's wonderful advice. Do you think networking plays into this in terms of like the bigger your network, kind of the easier it can be to find these sorts of mentors and resources and that sort of thing? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think that is a really good point too. Because then it's like word of mouth too. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I heard Megan, whatever. And then things like Clubhouse, like we show up on Clubhouse almost weekly, twice a month now. And that's a good place to find business coaches or mentors too, because they are often there trying to find clients and work with people. So I think, yeah, the more you can expand the places that you're in and the places that you show up, the easier it'll be. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's a really good point. Well, good. Okay. So hopefully Kayla, we answered your question there. Yes. (laughs) Now from Christina from weekday pescatarian, she wants to know what resource, it could be a book, a podcast, a course, kind of anything has been most influential in your entrepreneurial development. And what do you find yourself recommending to others most? I love this question. So there are actually two questions there. So the first one, the resource that has been most influential for me was, I think you know what I'm going to say, Taryn, Entrepreneurs on Fire, because oh, yeah. that is literally the reason I started Eat Blog Talk. So it has been pivotal. It like literally transformed my business. But if somebody else asks me for a resource that would transform their businesses, I don't necessarily send them there because that was just like I was in the right spot at the right time and needed to hear exactly what he was saying. But I send them to two books, and one of them you actually shared with me, Atomic Atomic Habits by James Clear and The Gap in the Gain by Dan Sullivan. You told me about The Gap in the Gain, uh, was it last year? Maybe a couple years ago. And I'm a huge, avid business book reader and mindset book reader. So, of course, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get it and try it out. It changed my not just my business game, but... This sounds like really dramatic, but it's so true. It changed my life. Like it changed the way I think about everything, just focusing on how far I've come in so many different areas. Mm -hmm. And like my, our oldest son had open heart surgery a year ago. It got me through that because instead of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's on a ventilator. It was, I would say to myself, okay, we turned down the settings an hour ago. That's that's progress. Like you're mm-hmm. always looking at the progress yeah. and never at the lack. So you're always in abundance mindset. So that is huge. And then I mentioned Atomic Habits. It's one of my favorite books ever. Just establishing those really positive, healthy habits and boundaries in your life that will be a game changer. Yes, I love those are two great, great, great books. And I think I wanted to mention too, because I don't think we said his name. Who is it? 
Oh, John Lee Dumas. Yeah. Yes. With Entrepreneurs on Fire. Yes. And he has a book that is wonderful as well. Oh, yes. I love his book. It is called The Common Path to Uncommon Success. Yes. It's really good, too. I love that book. But yeah, his podcast is really good. I mean, he interviews a host of different entrepreneurs from like every category under the sun. Really quick, bite-sized episodes, like 25 minutes. He's super easy to listen to, really relatable, and just really good information. Mm-hmm. But he releases episodes like every single day, so it's a little overwhelming. Like, oh my gosh, how could I ever get through all of this? But yeah, I would highly recommend listening to that if you don't too. Yeah, and you can pick and choose which. Like, I yes, I am on his email list, and I'm like, what? I find that it's like, oh, this is really overwhelming. Yes, but you just pick and choose what you want to listen to, and and kind of what's applicable to you. And then I did want to say too what you were saying about the gap and the gain. And this is kind of, we've kind of hinted at this, or you've kind of hinted at this through our conversation is that living in gratitude, right? Like that gain is the gratitude mm-hmm. of what you are finding in your life. And as you're focusing on that gratitude, it's a lot harder to get sucked down into the gap. Gratitude is everything. I swear the days that I'm just filled with gratitude about everything, those are the days that go really well and opportunities find me and Everything is great, but when you slink into that just like lack feeling, everything starts going wrong. So yeah, that's huge. Yes, and I I'm gonna pop in, and even though this is your interview, I'm gonna share something. No, do it. No, no, this is a conversation. Yeah, hopefully people can take away from this. It's something that a health coach told me actually. At the end of every day, I like to ask myself, "How did the universe have my back today?" And that is looking for the gain in each day. Where did, what do you, what went your way? Mm-hmm. What was good about the day? And, you know, some days it could just be that like, it didn't rain today and I was able to mow the lawn or, you know, my, my dog didn't pee in the house today. I don't know. I mean, I'm <laughs> yes. reaching, right. But it, it helps you find those really, just a really grateful piece, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I found that's really helped me. I don't know if you have anything you want to share. I was just going to say, like relating to the AI thing that we were just talking about, look at all of the good things that's coming from AI. Like my Pinterest pin descriptions, I have put zero effort into because (laughs) of chat GPT. Like, thank you so much. I mean, just taking those little things and that might seem so little and insignificant, but they add up and just showing that gratitude. Hey, if we can all show gratitude about AI, then maybe it will be in our favor. That's all I'm going to say. Let's just put it all out there. Okay, good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question coming up from Ashley from ENW Nutrition. This is kind of a long one. So she had some a question and then some kind of context around it. So her question is, how can we stop holding ourselves back from making money through freelance work? She goes on to say, I want to start making money through freelance blog writing and recipe development, but keep telling myself I'm not, quote, ready yet, unquote. I get stuck wondering if I know enough, if I'm good enough, and worry about not knowing how to negotiate pricing and contacts. There's a lot there. <laughs> there is, but I love this question. I think it's not so much about making money through a specific avenue, but instead it's about self-worth and what you believe you're worth. So two things come to mind. One, I think for Ashley and anyone else who's struggling with this, use courage to help bridge that gap on the way to being more confident because this is like a confidence thing and it's hard to fake confidence. So doing scary things can actually help you get 
to that place of being confident. And number two, do your very best. I know this is hard for a lot of us, but do your very best to ditch perfectionism because nobody is ever going to be 100% ready for anything ever in this whole universe. So stay one step ahead of yourself. Make sure you know what you're doing for that one step. And then just make sure you keep taking those steps, even when it's really scary. Mm. And this also, we were just talking about mindset. Like some, so much of this is mindset. It is. It's everything. Mindset is so important. So if even if you don't have the money to invest in a business coach, go to your podcast player and find mindset podcasts or books or whatever you need to get a little community of people that are going to lift you up and encourage you because you need it if you're going to be successful as a food blogger. Yes. And a little plug here for the EBT forum where there's lots of support and encouragement and, you know, EBT is all about all of those things. So if anyone is struggling with any of those things, the forum is a great way to get support and encouragement for that. (laughs) Forum.eblogtalk.com. Good. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And is there anything else? At the very end, she was talking about not knowing how to negotiate pricing and contacts. Did you want to hit on that just a little? No, because I don't, I feel like it's not about that. I feel like she needs to first just like use the courage to do these scary things. And she, I mean, she already probably knows what next step she needs to do and she probably knows how to do it. So do that and keep doing that. And then I think, you know, like other things will come to you, like how to negotiate pricing and contacts that will come onto your path when you're ready for it. But I think, yeah, I think it's, that's not really the issue. Do you need help navigating Google Analytics? Maybe you specifically need to understand how to set up and use GA4 and use your Google Search Console to its fullest potential. Sign up for the virtual workshop put on by Tastemaker that dives into these topics. There will be four expert speakers to provide valuable information that will help you get the most out of GA4 and GSC. The workshop takes place live on Zoom on April 21st from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. EST. Limited spots are available. Be sure to join the waitlist to get first access to these tickets. Go to eblogtalk.com forward slash resources and scroll down to the orange button underneath the Tastemaker logo for more information and to sign up. This is the last one under kind of the entrepreneurial umbrella. So it's from Brooke from Kapai Cooking. What's one long-term goal that you have that scares you? Okay, so I think I'll say something I've always, not always, but probably in the last five years or so wanted to do is write a book that's not a cookbook. Mm -hmm. And that scares me for a few reasons. Number one, when I wrote a cookbook, it was like the worst period of my life. And I don't, I just associate the two, like, because that was bad, maybe this will be bad. And I don't know, like maybe some of that perfectionism thing comes into play too, because I feel like there's something I need to put into a book. I just know it. I just don't know quite what it is yet. And I want it to be the right thing. And Uh it's like so overthinking and I should probably just you know, whatever, just start writing and see where it takes me. But I don't know. That's scary for me. Have you ever done a Nano Remo? Do you know what that is? I have no idea what that is. It's, I was like, I'm going to say this and she's going to be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it is N-A-N-O-W-R-I 
NNMO, National Novel Writing Month. And it's, and I think it's, I want to say November, but it's where people come together and you commit to writing. I, it's like, I can be like 10 minutes a day or whatever, but you do it every day. Aww. And I actually just finished a book, like a, a published novel from somebody who did a NaNoWriMo and it ended up gaining popularity and he got, a, he was able to publish a book out of it. So That's that so is cool. something, if anyone out there is, is thinking of probably not necessarily for cookbooks, but for memoirs or biographies or novels of any sort, that might be something to uh, explore. That's so cool. I love it. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll check into that. There you go. Yes. Okay. Now we're going to kind of veer a little bit into personal questions, personal kind of like life balance sort of questions. So we've got, again, this is another kind of like twofer. So <laughs> two people ask a similar question. Caro from carohaw.com and uh, Jenna, again, from The Urban Life, asked about this kind of like life balance. So your top tips to achieve a healthy blogging life balance. And the second kind of similar question, how do you balance your time between blogging, family, taking care of yourself, resting, et cetera? This one is so freaking hard. I mean... (laughs) It is so hard because we love our businesses so much. We literally fall in love with our businesses and we love the work we do. A lot of us do. Mm -hmm. So it's hard because we get into like, oh my, I have to do this and I want to do this. And then before we know it, it's like eight o'clock and we're all strung out and wondering why we're, you know, yelling at our family, whatever. It's so hard. I still struggle with this at times. So just first of all, know that it's a process and you'll probably never get it 100% but that means you love your business. So that's good news. Okay. And then my top tips for that would just be setting boundaries is huge. Like you've got to protect, prioritize protecting your sanity. Mm. So what I do is I actually schedule in downtime or mental breaks on my calendar and I prioritize that. It is such a priority for me. And when I don't do it, when I fall out of it, I see it right away. I'm like, oh crap, I didn't do that for the past two weeks. So I would say that like before you put anything related to work on your calendar, put in, even if it's like 30 minutes, you're going to step outside and take a walk or go eat lunch, or you're going to close your computer at the end of the day at five o'clock. Like I try to, whatever it is, put it in your calendar and make sure you do it. And then I would say Like my morning routine really helps me with this. I know that not everybody is into morning routines, but oh my gosh, like I'm just in this habit. Like I get up, I work out, I meditate. And if I didn't have that, Taryn, I'd be in such big trouble. Uh So I would say even if you don't do a morning routine, do some sort of daily routine that incorporates these good things that you need into your life, like rest, like going to bed at a certain time or making sure you socialize once in a while and (laughs) talk to the people in your house, like just prioritizing all of that, staying connected with your loved ones, you know, friends outside of blogging, meeting people for lunch once in a while. I think that's really healthy and so important for sanity. And what else? Just knowing your limits too. Knowing I have these little things that pop up for my mind and my body that kind of are signals like you're doing too much, stop. And when I see those now, I'm like, oh crap. Okay, I'm listening. I hear you. I'm going to go rest and then start implementing all of the things again so that I can feel a little bit more balanced. Yeah. Well, and I think too, along what you were saying with boundaries, 
communicating those boundaries. Cause I know you've communicated that to your family yes, and your yes. sons will be like, mom, yeah. it's 501. You're on the computer. <laughs> yeah, they do it. They hold me accountable. And even you've done that once. Like I sent yeah. you an email once at like 502 or something. And you were like, Megan, why are you still working? <laughs> I'm like, oh crap. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, like tell everyone and like be harsh with me. I always tell my boys, like if I am here at 502, literally pull me away and they do it. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's good. I love that. <laughs> okay. Now this is, this one is a fun personal question. So Christina from weekday pescatarian asks, what's your favorite place in the world and what's your favorite thing to eat there? And she wants to believe it's a lake in Minnesota eating a walleye fish hot dish. Please tell me I'm right. So she Ooh, says. <laughs> now that is, I love lakes in Minnesota. I probably wouldn't be eating a hot dish on a lake, but maybe a walleye sandwich or something. But I would say my favorite, this is hard because my favorite place in the world is being in the mountains, especially Mm. the mountains in Montana. They're my favorite, Mm -hmm. but I don't really have a favorite food I eat there, but I do associate being there with grilling Mm. right up your alley, Taryn. So my husband grills like just amazing meats and veggies. So I'll say that. Yeah. Favorite place in the world, Montana mountains, and we are grilling steak, mushrooms, and bell peppers. Oh, good. That sounds good. Now Mm. I'm hungry. Me too. (laughs) You are a fan of Flathead Lake, is that right? Yes, yes, yes. And that's up by Kalispell? Yep, exactly. Yes, Yes. which is kind of, if anyone is not familiar with Montana, it's kind of, it's like just what is that west of center on the northern kind of side, I guess, of Montana? Is that, would you say that's about right? Yeah, it's right to the west of Glacier National Park and it's really close to Canada, actually. Yes, it is. And the best fish tacos I've ever had were (gasps) in Kalispell, actually. (laughs) Oh, okay. That wouldn't be bad to eat while I was gazing at the mountains. That would be option number two. (laughs) I love it. Okay, now we are going to move on to kind of the last section, which is podcasting questions. And Caro from carohaw.com had quite a few of them. So we're just going to run through them. First off, what made you start the podcast? I had a very, very strong desire to help food bloggers just grow their businesses, not necessarily like me delivering information, but I knew there was a way to get food bloggers in front of value that would help them. And I've had this desire forever. And then one day after listening to Entrepreneurs on Fire by JLD, I just had this thought like, oh my gosh, he has grown this super successful business that centers around his podcast and he helps people and serves up all this value. So I reached out to him, just sent him an email and I was like, I've always had this desire to help food bloggers just add value to their businesses. I don't know exactly how to do that. What do you think? And he wrote back and said, you need to start a podcast pronto. And I will never forget it. It was like pronto. So I mean, like two days later, I had everything in motion and I was like, I'm doing this. Yeah, that's the story. And the rest is history. It's been, what, almost four years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Almost four years. Crazy. 400 episodes. Yeah. 400 episodes, right? It's pretty big. And I will say like JLD is kind of a big deal. I mean, I don't know if anyone is maybe you're not familiar with him, but like it can take a lot of guts to reach out and email somebody who is kind of a big deal, at least in your own mind. So kudos for 
Ooh, reached that out. That was scary. And, uh, yeah, I can. And imagine. you always have the worry, like they're never going to reply. Right. But sometimes they do. Oh my gosh, I have the story that kind of supports that. Mark Cuban replied oh, yeah. to my husband the other day via email. He was freaking out. He had, I think, he read in the Four Hour Work Week. Mm-hmm. By Tim Ferriss, like reach out to someone huge, not expecting a reply, but just to see what happens. So he did. And he was like, my wife, Megan, has this podcast for food bloggers and we would love for you to be on it. And he replied. And it was like, if you watch Shark Tank, you kind of know how he talks. Just like very abrupt, like no punctuation, just blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And that was exactly how his email was written. So we were like, this has to be him. It was so crazy. So yeah, just the moral of the story there is if there's someone that you think is too big for you, that's not true. They might actually reply. Yes, I love that. That's a great example. Okay, next up. What's the most memorable episode of EBT and why? Well, need I say that episode 200 with John Lee Dumas was (laughs) memorable. Oh my gosh, I was so nervous and like a freakish, freakishly nervous for that episode. (laughs) And he was promoting his book at the time. So he was doing a lot of interviews just like back to back to back and like I think he gave me like 15 or 20 minutes. So I knew mm-hmm. it was going to be short and sweet. So I, my voice was shaking. If you go listen to it, it's, it's a really good one. He delivered amazing value. But if you listen closely, you can hear that I am just like, oh my gosh, like panicked and doing like the, the awkward laughs and just, oh my gosh. But <laughs> it was so good for me to do that because it was so scary. And when I was done, I just felt like, if I can do that, I can interview anyone. I can do anything. It just gave me a really big boost of confidence too. Yeah. That which is hard can still be like, it makes you grow, right? Oh, yes. So, so scary. Scary things make (laughs) us grow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then in which episode have you learned the most? I don't necessarily have a single episode that stands out for this answer, but I would say just more of a general category is Learning from food bloggers who are in the weeds. And this, I think, is one of the the beauties of eBlog Talk is that I talk to a lot of people who aren't necessarily like top experts in the field or anything like that. They're actually just food bloggers like doing the work and finding certain things that have really helped their business or their mindset or whatever. So that is my favorite. When I get to have a conversation with somebody who's just like... Sue over at, at the food blog who's been around for a year and a half. Like she has amazing value to share. So many people discount that too. And I think it's really rare for podcasts to talk to people who are just like your average food blogger, your average fill in the blank. And mm-hmm. instead they go for the big names. And I think, yeah, there's so much power in that. So those are my favorite types. Yeah, I think that's really a great, and I know you've had that kind of concept or or outlook for I mean, the whole time where yeah. it's everybody has value. It's not necessarily like you've been, I mean, it's great if someone who has been blogging for years and years and years like you have who wants to share their value, but you know, everybody has a different life experience. And that's exactly what you're saying is you can bring lessons from the life experience that others can learn from. So true. Everyone has a story to share and everyone has an angle that's going to help people. So like literally any person listening to this right now could join me on a podcast episode and provide immense value. Yes. Yes. I love that. That's great. Okay. Now goals. What is your goal for the podcast in the next three years? Oh boy. Okay. So I... I'm going to keep publishing two episodes, I almost said recipes, two episodes <laughs> a week. So 
let me do the math. So I do, we do two episodes a week. So 104 episodes a year. So in three years, I'll be at seven, 12 episodes. So that's kind of like the numbers. And I've always had in my mind, like, I'm super excited to get to episode number a thousand. So that'll be beyond three years, but just a little side note there. And just through continually talking to these amazing people that we just referred to, I would just like to keep growing this supportive community. And kind of my tagline for eBlog Talk is supporting food bloggers at every stage of their journeys, helping them accelerate their growth and achieving freedoms they want for their businesses and their lives. And I want to continue that. I have such a heart and passion for food bloggers, being one myself, but also just seeing how driven and smart and motivated Mm. and resilient and resourceful and everything, like all the good things they are. I mean, it's a really unique bunch of people and I'm just in awe of you guys all the time. So I just want to continue to do what I can to lift up this community and help people just find those successes they want, whatever that is for you. Yeah. And I think this kind of plays a little bit into the next and last question from Caro, which is why should food bloggers start a podcast and how much work is it and how do you monetize it? And I do want to say that in terms of goals for the podcast, you might also have goals for how to help food bloggers with podcasts too. Yes. Okay. So the first question, why should you start a podcast? Yeah. Why should food bloggers start a podcast? And how much work is it? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I think that food bloggers definitely should if you don't like video and you want another way to communicate with your audience and potentially gain a new audience. And like right now, the competition for foodie podcasts is really low and podcasting in general is growing. So I think those two combined creates this really nice little formula and that will be in your benefit. And then how much work is it? I mean, comparing it to blogging, it's like so much easier. I remember you (laughs) and a couple other people saying, oh my gosh, all I had to do was record and just like upload it. And it's, you don't have to go through miles of keyword research and SEO. And there's so many pictures, video, like there's so many hoops you have to jump through with, with food blogging that you do not have to. There's not as many barriers. So it's really not that much work. Right now I have a microphone that is plugged into my laptop and I have an editing software that comes with my Adobe subscription anyway. And literally that's it. Like there's there's not much more to it than that. So it's super easy. And then what was the last part? How do you monetize it? Which is a pretty big question. (laughs) Yeah, that is a big question. So I think if you do get into podcasting, do it with the goals of just like connecting with your audience in a new way and using it as a new layer for your business. And don't necessarily go into it thinking, I'm going to make money within a year because that probably won't happen. But if you see it as a long game, you eventually will make money if you are consistent with it. So I we've talked about JLD many times, and this is something that he did, and he talked about all the time in his podcast episodes, is that you've, you've just got to keep doing it. Like you, you're, It's not like a quick buck. You're not going to get rich right away. <laughs> but when you establish that trust with people, which you will do much more easily through audio and using your voice— people are going to trust you more. They're going you're going to gain a really loyal following and that is going to allow you to sell to them eventually. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, people ask me all the time about like sponsorships 
And I think that's very possible. We, a lot of us work with brands and we kind of enter that realm of sponsored work. So you know how it goes. I mean, it's not out out of the possibility to do that. Mm -hmm. But I would say just like establishing trust with your people and then finding a really good solution to whatever they're struggling with and then offering that and selling that way. Yeah, because it is, I think it's akin to food blogging for most people in the way that you just described where it's most people don't necessarily monetize their food blog in a year. Or if they do, it's it's maybe with like Google AdSense or something that's kind of on the lower paying side. It's it's same with the podcast, right? Where it's not going to be, you know, I mean, you might hit it, you might hit a great niche, you right. might, you know, but like that's not, that's like the exception, not the rule, right? Definitely. And to just have that kind of expectation, you know, I've heard several times just across the blogosphere, if you want to call it that, you know, three to five years is kind of a sweet spot of when people start to really make money and monetize their blogs. And I think that my hunch, anyway, I'm not at the three year mark with my podcast, but the hunch is that that would be the similar for podcasts yeah. as well. I totally agree with that. I think three years is very fair. So stick with it at least that long. And then also something you said made me think of like the trust, the no like trust thing that people mm. talk about. It's so hard to get that no like trust through a blog because you're writing, you know, you're just right, you're typing and you don't even know if people are reading everything that you're typing. But with a podcast, people put you in their ear and they are listening to your voice. And that is such a great way to like really quickly get that no like trust. So you're going to earn it a lot more quickly through a podcast than you are through a blog. Yeah, agreed. Very much agreed. And then how are you supporting podcasters, foodie podcasters going forward? Are you, do you have plans? Yeah. So we've been running kind of like a little mastermind group for almost a year now. And I have just decided that I want to make it more awesome. So we're taking a little pause on that. We're going to revamp it. And I, I'm hoping in the fall to have a really robust group going where we just kind of meet twice a month or so and just do a little masterminding and help people who have already started a podcast. So you're already launched, just kind of brainstorm and evolve and really dig deep into their podcasting businesses. Yeah, I think that's great. It's going to be really helpful. I do. I think we're going to end with quick questions. If you don't mind, I ha I'm going to throw these at you. Oh, uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is unpracticed. And oh, like, boy. But I think they'll be kind of fun. We can kind of end on this. So right. what is your favorite color? Purple all the way. Oh, I love it. What is your favorite movie or one of your favorite movies? Oh, I oh, have you ever seen Garden State? I know it. I don't think I've seen it. I don't know why. The music and just like the acting, everything. I love that movie. It's one of my favorites. Oh, good. What about TV show? Oh, oh, Gilmore Girls. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. What was your favorite toy growing up? Oh, I had these little weeble wobble things. No. <laughs> Does anyone know what weeble wobbles are? They were like these little egg-shaped creatures, yeah. toys that lived in a tree. <laughs> that sounds really crazy. <laughs> wow. Maybe and maybe it's better that they're not around anymore. <laughs> that mental break thing that I mentioned earlier, maybe I need one. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Do you have a favorite day of the week? I love Fridays. Fridays are the best. Are you better in the morning or in the evening? Definitely morning. Oh, gosh, yeah. I'm not a night person. Yeah, same. <laughs> Coffee or tea? Or Coffee. Coffee. Coffee all the way. And then vanilla or chocolate? Vanilla. Oh, not the chocolate person. Mm, I like chocolate. Just if I had a choice, I would go with vanilla. 
Okay, good. Well, that's it. That's all we've got for today. Oh, so fun. This was great. And I know that you know this, Taryn, but I try to do something just memorable for each like 100th episode. So I've done like 100. I did something special, 200, 300, and now 400. This just made it so special and not just doing the AMA, but being able to talk to you. So thank you for doing this with me. This was so fun. Yeah, this was super fun. I'm really glad we got a chance to do it. All right, Taryn, we'll talk to you later. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. Please share this episode with a friend who would benefit from tuning in. I will see you next time.